0: And here we go. Welcome to Bash Mania. I am your host, Justin Bash, and thank you for tuning in. We've got NCAA champion and 2020 Olympic hopeful Nashawn Garrett on the show today. Before I dive into a conversation with Nashawn, I want to remind you of two things. One, if you haven't subscribed, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen, and be notified as soon as a new episode drops, and it also just helps support the show. Two, if you haven't gotten in on the Traeger Grill giveaway, we have one week left in the giveaway. Head over to Instagram at Bashmania or go to bashmania.com slash giveaway for all the details. All right, let's roll the intro and get this thing going.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: All right. And we're here with Nashon. How are you, man?
1: Hey, what's going on, Justin? Doing excellent.
0: So what I was just about to tell you, and I'm like, let's get going, is, you know, I always do a deep dive before I do an episode of this show. And when you do a deep dive on you, especially for somebody like me who's in content and marketing for a living, I could have a five-hour conversation with you. So we might have to do a part one and a part two to get through everything, but I mean...
1: You know, I'm totally okay with that. I'm I, I come in pieces a little bit too. Sometimes I got, you know, the jack of all trade thing going on. So I, I, I think see we're gonna be that, all right, and I want to talk about that. So
0: look, let's let's start with wrestling. Obviously, you know, this is a wrestling show. Getting started in wrestling, you've been wrestling a long time. Tell me about your start in wrestling.
1: Yeah, so basically back in 2000, I want to say 2006. No, yeah, I been 2005, 2006. I was Given the opportunity at my high school, I had no idea what wrestling was. Didn't grow up in a wrestling culture around wrestling people. I don't know anyone in my family who wrestles. No aunts, uncles, brothers, nothing like that. <laughs> who did any of that? We didn't even grow up with sports. I mean, we didn't. I mean, we did sports, but we weren't allowed to be a part of. And that's wild because so sports. many
0: good wrestlers. Your levels are like they started like three, four, five. You know. It's right.
1: Like... Right. So they got that advantage a little bit, and so. It was actually interesting because my my seventh grade year, I would go to practices, and eventually my mom found out, and she was like, "No, you're not allowed to go there. I don't want you getting mat diseases." We were very sheltered growing up, so you know there was there was we never had that. Oh yeah, this is a sport you're gonna do, or I never had dreams of being an Olympian or being on an NBA team or playing football. I never had any dreams. the the best thing that I had was a movie called Rudy. I watched that movie, <laughs> and that I'll I'll tell you that story a little bit deeper in when, once we get there. But yeah. that's that's the best thing that that I had uh, growing up as far as inspiration stuff.
0: And when you were going from seventh grade and going on, how are you getting better? Because most people start so young and they get better over time. You had to level up really quick. What did you do to kind of get better through middle school and high school?
1: Bro, the one thing I would say is. The things that are out of my control that happened in my life, that matures a person to a place where in my mind I used wrestling as more of an outlet and more of a, a place away from the things that I couldn't control. And so for me, it wasn't about, oh, let's we're gonna have fun. This is gonna be this is a game. To me, it was like this is where I'm going to basically have therapy. Yep. I'm going to have mental stress release, like therapy, and that's where I focused on, hey, this person's beating me, but are they beating me because of something that's out of my control or are they beating me because I am i don't understand something or I don't know something? Right. And so I always approach it in that way and I said, well, they won't beat me if I can figure it out. And so then I started taking control and it was the one place in my life where I was like, yeah, I feel like I have some control in in this area.
0: And like for me, I mean, I, I started wrestling in seventh grade, too, primarily because I was a WWF guy. So I just thought it's wrestling. It's got to be the same. I'm going to be doing leg drops and flying elbows. And I quickly obviously learned it wasn't that. But I never really got any better. I put in the effort. My tra- my training partners, my drill partners were were section, sectional champions, um, state champions. Like They were good. I wasn't. But it did teach me so much. And it made right. me d- diligent, disciplined, everything at what point. But I and I kind of knew that, like by ninth, 10th grade, I'm not on a varsity lineup. I'm like, OK, I'm obviously just not that good. When did you actually realize
1: you were good? Well, my my. Eighth grade year, which was the year I actually started, and my mom actually allowed me to be on the team. I got to the point where I was sneaking to practices, and she was just like, "You know, okay." And,
0: <laughs> and we sneaking the wrestling practice. Sneaking what a the wrestling heathen. practices. <laughs> I, know,
1: I know. And so, you know, the, the dishonor of my parent in that situation proves, you know, it, it proved to, to work out for me in the end. But yeah, it was. I think eventually she saw, hey. This is something that he loves to do. This this, this could work out for him, and so he, I'm gonna let him do it. And um, so, I would say that year I think I took second at NorCal T- Tournament of Champions, which was basically the North State Championships.
0: Yep.
1: Right, and so I I took second there, but I was. An eighth grader weighing, you know, seventy pounds, you know, and so <laughs> your boy was, you know, just a, a fetus of a of a young thing. Right. <laughs> so I was tiny, but obviously strong and and aware of my body in in some ways. So so much so that I I, I took second uh, at, the, at the state championships. At that point in time, um, growing into more wrestling, I. It wasn't really until my sophomore year that I really developed a sense of, oh, I'm actually pretty decent at this. Um, yeah. and I actually went to Fargo my second year of wrestling, my freshman year, and I wrestled ninety-one pounds at Fargo. And I went one and two at Fargo in both styles. And I tell you, man, it was it was the worst feeling I'd ever experienced before in my life. I never felt like depression in yeah. that way ever before. And so that's when I kind of learned, Oh wow, if I'm gonna do this, then I better get better cuz I never want to feel that feeling again. And um and from there, uh around my sophomore year, that's when I really started to I really started to pick it up and focus on
0: And then what was the path to Cornell from there?
1: Path to Cornell was I all-American my sophomore year at Fargo twice um in Greco and freestyle. I won a, a a state title my junior year at 103s and my coach um, our coaches sent out a video of, of me winning state to um, a bunch of different coaches. Cornell responded. We had a relationship with them. And so it was just that that inkling of hey, we could we would love to have him before there was any success, before senior nationals, before anything like that. It was right. we 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 can do this. Um we can take we would love to take him in. And so that's what Cole did. Um he he before anybody else came in, before anybody said anything, he kind of established this kind of relationship. Where, yeah, there's some, some success, but we want him before even all of that stuff pops right. off. And then, yeah.
0: By the way, I'd mentioned that I always do deep dives. And one of the things that I saw, which I never went to college. I went to a local community college for two weeks. Um, I couldn't have less of a clue of how college works. But I feel like I even more so don't have a clue about the Ivy League. Now, I saw that you were selected for membership in the quill and dagger society can you please explain to me what that is
1: yes I could but then I'd have to kill you <laughs> I figured as much <laughs> <Yeah. No. laughs> so it's it's just a, it's a it's a society of, of of people who have made an impact on campus um, and were referred to by other people were nominated by other people to be a part of this um, a part of this yeah this distinguished group of of people um, other than that you know the, you know there's not really much that goes too much into it to be honest um, it feels like
0: high society it feels like you're holding out
1: <laughs> yeah yeah It's <laughs> as far as i understand so i i didn't get too deep into it i was very much like oh this is a great honor i'd love to be a part of of this and yeah. it was it was really really Kind of a cool thing going through the process, but after it all, it, after it all was all said and done, I was kind of like, yeah. you know, that's great, it's great to be a part of it, and I didn't really delve too much in it. But yeah. it, it is really, it is really cool. Yeah. It is, it was really it, cool. You
0: know, thing. you're definitely busy at college, and you know, as I, as I was going back and and kind of like tracing the ebbs and flows of of your college career, if I had this right, you were third place as a freshman, then second as a sophomore, then fifth, and then something switched and a light switch flipped on, and you go from fifth to an undefeated championship year. I'm curious a few different things. One is, what do you think was the switch that flipped to go from fifth to being an undefeated national champ? And even all through college, because I've asked that question, not that exact scenario, but a similar sequence, and it's usually like the the common answer is, on, on the outward to the fan, it looks like there was a switch flipped. But in reality, it was stuff that happened my freshman year, sophomore year, junior year. And then the senior year was, you know, still fifth, third, second, whatever at nationals is an impressive feat. And that's yeah. such an accomplishment just to all American or just to, to medal, but then to become undefeated or become national champ. Like it seems like from a fan standpoint, the switch flipped. What what kind of went
1: on there? That's a great question. Um, and just to kind of point out something as you were talking, yeah, this idea that there are so many circumstances in life that we don't – that are completely out of, of our control, right? Yep. And these are things that we don't factor in or at least a lot of people don't factor into the, a person's performance or why they're doing yep. this or why they're not performing as well as they should or have been projected to uh, right. perform. And so, you know, like in my own life, I know this obviously exists for for other people's lives, but my own life, you know, I'm I'm a freshman in uh, in college, and I'm getting basically, you know, nightly phone calls, twelve, you no, know, three o'clock in the at night from people saying, oh, hey, this is going on with your mom, this is going on with your brother, this is happening um, because I have um, in my family a history of substance abuse in my family, okay. and that has greatly affected. Uh, sure. I got away from it, right? Yeah. But but it's affected my family, right? And so on the outset, like, you know, dealing with um, you know, my sophomore year in at EIWA. So being, you know, getting woken up in the middle of the night to these like crazy phone calls, like, your brother almost died, oh, this happened, got hit by a car, he's in the hospital, this is going on. My sophomore year to like I'm about to wrestle in the EIWA finals. Hey, uh, you know, your mom's in in, in jail right now, this that, and the other. Like this, that's like, whoa. Uh, it's crazy, you know. So there's a lot of things in my junior year. Just honestly, just cutting a, a crap ton of weight that yeah. was just really, really difficult on my my psyche, um, and on my and on my, yeah, just on my performance. Obviously, sure. and so coming into my senior year with all of this stuff um, happening, right? You know, everything, so the, all the uncontrollables and and maybe even some of the controllables. My senior year, I I developed this sense of. Um, it was really a, a philosophical change um and it was a, a mental change that it took place and you know they they always talk about it's 90% mental and 10% this that, and the other but really for me it it really got to that point where it was there was a mental a mental switch that flipped on um because what i believe about most athletes is we have we have fears that are unrecognized and and, and undealt with we have anxiety we have pressure we have all these things that um you know people just look at us and they say we're they just see wrestlers and warriors right Right. but internally there's there's a lot of stuff that we're dealing with the doubt you know the fear and and you know it might be outside pressure it might be pressure from the inside and so the my philosophy during uh, the 2016 year was, you know, it's not what you do that defines who you are, it's who you are that defines what you do. So when you find out who you are, you can live out of your being instead of out of your doing. And so for me, it was just um, maintaining this this place of being and ma- maintaining this this identity that doesn't change with whether I win or whether I lose. So I wasn't out there because even my junior year, there was times when I would tech a guy and come off the mat and be very, very frustrated and I would think to myself, well, why is that? because i didn't I didn't dominate them in the way that I wanted to. You know, i I was fearful. I was frightened in that match or I backed up or I didn't get the takedown I wanted to. And so I needed I wanted to develop this sense of identity, this sense of of purpose. and and I was able to do that 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 year where something clicked and I became what I believed I was. And I manifested my belief um in such a way that what was seen was was scene
0: and if my memory serves me correctly it's it's funny i i remember vividly when anytime somebody puts their faith on display especially at ncaa's anytime over the last decade i i remember it vividly i remember when quentin wright won his national championship and he came on he's like i just want to thank jesus right away um i remember like i started going to ncaa's in 2016 and I remember, I can't remember what year it was, when Jaden um, sang Your Will Be Done before NCAAs and when Nolf, oh, wow. when Nolf came out to stars by scale and all these moments. And, and wasn't it, you won in 16, which was in New York City, and I thought you came out after and said something like, I, I just want to thank you, God, for giving me this championship or something along that lines. Um, and, and that stuck with me because... It's it seems like it would be easy to do to give God the glory after you get something. But there's so many times we we finally get what we want. And then we're looking towards the next thing, whether it's the Olympics for you or world championship or whatever. Anytime any of us kind of get what we want, it's hard to keep that in perspective. And like being a Christian, what role did that play, especially throughout your college career leading up to this? Like you said, you dealt with a lot of things on, on the background. And that's one of the reasons I started this podcast was because having all these conversations with with guys like David Taylor and Jordan Burroughs and all these guys, Kale, over the years, I'm not the technical guy. Somebody hits a move, there's a good chance I don't know it. I can appreciate it. But it's the backstories to me. Those are the conversations I've had that I'm like... Yeah, you're impressed by Burroughs' double leg, but if you knew what happened 20 minutes before the match, you'd really be more mind-blown than that mm-hmm. happening. you know. So yeah. I'm curious what role your faith played through those ebbs and flow um, of your college career that led up to that.
1: Yeah. I mean, first of all, thank you for giving me the, the platform to be able to speak about these things. Sure. Because, yeah, the fact that you were able to connect this idea of identity and being with the sense of my faith is – is huge because you know I, I say it on on this outside you know just kind of yeah be I don't know I, w- I wouldn't say even be somewhat neutral I would just say this is just what it is but yeah. the behind the fact is this case of of faith right what you yeah. believe you manifest what you believe right and so for me I think that there's you have the people who practice what they what they believe and then you have people who um and uh, I mean there's then you have people who there's a practice and then there's a parrot. Sure. Okay. So the reason I say that is because um, there are people who, you know, there's someone who says, oh, like, look at this person here. Um, They're, you know, giving the glory to God. God gets the glory. You know, it's all about his glory. It's all about this. And to be honest, like, I'm actually a little bit critical of that just because um, the way that I understand the scriptures and the way I understand um, uh, faith so far is is this idea? Obviously the glory is uh to him, but it's him glorifying himself in us. Yep. And so if we don't if we don't understand our oneness with him, and if we don't understand that we're doing it as uh in this cooperative union, um we a lot of times we distance ourselves from like the product of winning. We distance ourselves, we say no, that it wasn't me. I didn't do it. It was all him, you know, g- glory to him. That that to me is um, – f- that for me was – because I had I lived like that for a long time. That for me yeah. presented a sense of, of, of just false humility, honestly, for me. And yeah. so I had lived like that for a really long time, and I had lived in this kind of, yeah, okay, we got the scriptures and, you know, give glory to God. But it was really just like this um, me not – Me not taking responsibility for the fact that he is in me and that we're one and that we're doing this together, basically. It was like, okay, he's doing it, you know. And so win or lose, it's, you know, the glory goes to him. But and this senior year, what I had like really realized was it, it really is this 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 cooperative union going on where it's 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 him inside of me glorifying himself you know he doesn't need me to glorify him he can do it himself but he's doing it he chooses to use me as a vessel to, to glorify himself in that way does that make sense
0: yeah and i think a lot of people struggle with false humility because i don't want to turn into a jesus freak but for like 20 seconds i mean my my pastor i tell him all the time like dude you killed it and this and that and years ago i mean he's our age he's my age you know young 30s and he early on when when he became a senior pastor it it was it was harder for him to to take in the the compliments and the praise and I start, we kind of started joking like you know so many people just give the glory back to God and they don't receive the compliments and it's almost like a false humility like no but God is doing it through you you still have to be willing you still have to be able yeah. you still have to put the time in and there's a difference like you said as soon as you're saying like look at for you know, I find it not even ironic, but ironic that I asked you about jumping levels from fifth to third, second national championship, all these different things, and you never once said, "I realized I need to improve my conditioning. I needed to change my technique. I, I wanted to do this. I want to do that. Right, whatever it is, it was instantly about back end struggles, and, and that's kind of where I went with that of the the role that you have in not not just mental, but overcoming adversity and over and and we're seeing it now I don't want to get into the Olympic trials yet but I'm assuming through your college career you were obviously that good to become a national champion and that doesn't happen overnight and as a freshman to place how you did that takes incredible talent I'm curious what adversity you or not you told me the adversity how did you deal with the adversity when you were performing let's say the first three years because it's a whole other conversation to talk about adversity when you win but when you're losing the the adversity it seems more evident and it's more obvious how did you deal with that adversity in real time even knowing that you were going through it and why like okay I was a little distracted okay I was cutting too much weight okay I had this going on this was really serious how did you deal with that adversity in real time and not kind of Give up because even if you're that good, sometimes people, you still just see them throw the towel in and leave so much to, to chance to wonder because they don't go through with it. They go, yeah, it's not worth it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to this idea of belief, right? Because like for me, and as I've kind of grown in, in, in this sport and in life – um, for me, I know that what I've been given, um, that not, not everybody has what, what I've been given. And so I know that I have to steward what I've been given, like, well, um, you know, and even as we're going to, like, the scriptures, that it talks about, like, you know, um, we, whatever we give, whatever we receive, whatever we receive, we have to, to make good measure of it. We have to, like, use what we've been given. It's this idea, right? Faithful stewards, completely. We got to be faithful. We got to be faithful stewards. Um, be faith- be faithful stewards. Yep. And I know that I've been given, you know, certain capacity, certain mental strength, um, certain speed, certain this kind of things that make my body able to be able to wrestle well and have a platform um, for in in the sport of wrestling. Yep. And so, in having these things, adversity. Uh, so, if it's the case, this is. This is how it kind of comes up, right? If yeah. it's the case that I've been given all these things, that means that it's, it's the Father's will that I, mm-hmm. that I be a wrestler, okay? Yeah. So I, I can just stay with that statement. If it's his will that I'm being a wrestler, then there's a couple of things that need to happen within his will. And I think that the mo- two most important things within his will are, one, that we know him better, and yeah. two, that we manifest Messiah inside of us. So if I'm called by um, Yah to do something – right and I don't know him better or I'm not manifesting his his presence and manifesting Messiah inside of me, then I'm either probably not in his will or whatever is happening sure. has not been finished yet. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And so for me, every obstacle, um, every issue problem that surfaces acts as a reminder to me of, wait a second, am I doing this for myself? Am I in this for myself? Did I give myself these abilities or did I steward these abilities because I'm a part of his will and because I'm a part of his will and I'm in his will, he's going to be the provider. So I don't have to worry. I don't have to freak out. I don't have to be anxious about anything. I can trust him because he's the one that placed me here in the first place. And so now I'm using these obstacles to know him better. So I'm saying, oh, here's an issue that's going on in my life. And I think to myself, okay, well, father, what do you want me to do? What's your will in this in this situation? Hey, I'm really struggling with this. Hey, this is happening in my life. Now I can go to Him and I can say, Your will, Your kingdom come, Your will be done. What would You want me to do, right? And at the end of that, then I can receive from Him and then uh, manifest, you know, what He says in my life. If that makes sense. And so, and,
0: and did you have that throughout college? Was that a constant, or did it take time to evolve to that after you know dealing with some of the
1: adversity you had? I, it took a lot of time to evolve to that point. And there were lots of tests. Like even, you know, there was a point in time when I said, you know, I don't believe that my identity is rooted in winning, right? Yeah. And I'm just like, you know, my identity is rooted in Christ and this, any other, and like that's what we believe at this point, right? But then when our, our, our faith is tested, when something tests it, then w- what really shows up will be, who we really are you know so when i took fifth and you know i'm completely broken down and completely devastated and turn to to all kinds of other stuff other than the father then that showed oh man whatever faith i did have or whatever i did believe it it was it wasn't rooted right and so whatever word that we speak or whatever word we believe it has to bear fruit in our life but the only way it's going to bear fruit is if it's tested and so that's why we've got to be careful what we say and what yeah. we believe because everything that we believe and what we say is will be tested by uh, by the obstacles, right?
0: Yeah, and I'm curious too. You know, after Cornell, you had you left real quickly, kind of to go to Arizona State, and then you came back to to Cornell pretty quickly after that. What was the what was the decisions like in leaving Cornell and coming back to Cornell, and what not? What not only went into those decisions, but was that again, you kind of, you know, I'm always fascinated because I know for me, whether it's with my wife or in business, I'm always seeking God's guidance on what the next move should be. And for me, it it always seems like it's something different every time and why I feel I should do different things. I'm curious what, you know, what was that tug to go to Arizona State and come back to Cornell? Like what what went into all that?
1: Yeah, I mean. I would say, like I think you said it right. The most important thing that we do is that we seek the Father. and like, and whenever we seek him, what I believe is that like there's a confirmation yep. um of the word that he's spoken to us, right. And so, like if if I'm being sincere in my pursuit of him, and i I really want to know, hey, what's your will? Um, I believe that he he brings certain peace, like a certain type of peace. And a certain type of confirmation, a, a, conf- a word of confirmation from somebody else or you know a close friend. Um, but most, but most of the time, it yeah, it's it's really just the piece that he gives to say, okay, even in the midst of like hard hard times, like I, yeah, leaving was was obviously difficult. You know, I'd been here for the five years, obviously have this really close and tight relationship, and then to say, oh, I'm gonna go over here. Um, yeah, it was it was difficult. And then to come back, you know, it 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 kind of just came out of nowhere, it was just like I was in the shower one day and I was, and the father just said, like, hey, you know, you, what do you about going back to Cornell? I'm like, OK, you know, like, <laughs> I kind of like it in Arizona. You know what I mean? It's kind of nice. It's a lot warmer. Nice you not getting a lot snow. warmer. <laughs> 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 and so <laughs> so basically I um, Yeah, it's just about I think it's about hearing his voice and, and just kind of testing it you know, and, and testing and see, okay, you know, because the thing is, we're not going to always get it right. And I, I feel like there's a lot of people, well, here's, I, and maybe one of my major criticisms about even, um even the church at this point is like, hey, do they teach us how to hear his voice? Yeah. You understand? And, um and I'm not just saying like his voice from like, um you know, the, the letter of the, of the law, you know, which is, oh, this says this, you know, so that's that. Yep. I'm talking about, I'm like, hey, I have a decision to make. I have children. I have a wife. I have this. How do I, how do I hear from him in my everyday life? How do I, how do I do so? You know, and so where I don't necessarily know if we're taught well how to do that. And so for me, it was one of those things where I'm just like, okay, Father, I believe that that you speak because you say that your sheep know your voice, yep. right? And they can discern your voice. And so I'm saying, hey. um... I need help. I yeah. what's going on? Please, you know, I this is happening or this is happening. And I, I need I need some help here. And so um yeah, years of just kind of like training to like learn how to hear it, you know. And sometimes it's sometimes um sometimes it's off, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes yeah. you'd be like, oh man, I thought that was you. Hey, what happened? And he says, "Okay, hey, here's this thing that was going on. There was still some your mind was a bit here, and you know the flesh was in this way, so that's why you want it to be over here right and so um and we we have to be willing to say, Oh, okay, ah, uh, I miss you on that. you know, dang it, And then you move on and say, okay, now I know for future reference this this is what it feels like, this isn't what it feels like kind of thing, you know, um yeah, but you have to test it though.
0: Right. And I feel like so many times too, it, it a lot of times I feel like it depends on what we want. And if all of a sudden we want something, I think that sometimes is, I know for me, if I'm praying about something and God shows me something I don't like, I'm like, are you sure? Let me read another chapter. Let me read this. Let me, are you sure? But then if sure. it's something where I'm like, <laughs> I really want it. And it seems like, well, wait a minute, this, this, and it's almost like, a beautiful mind when he's like doing all the stuff on the chalkboard and it's like mm-hmm. some elaborate equation, you know, but right. You know, f- from a, from a simple wrestling standpoint, what went into both those decisions to go and come back?
1: Um, the decision to leave was, it was twofold, right? The first, the first thing was that I had a family who at the time were, were homeless. Um, and so it was a lot easier on them to yeah just move them closer from california to arizona um as opposed to all the way to new york at the time and so that was the first thing that kind of went into it and secondly um actually zeke my sophomore year when i had made the finals um zeke actually reached out to me uh my sophomore year and said hey i think you'd be good for freestyle this and the other so we had developed a relationship um, my sophomore year where you know by the time my senior year came up you know he was you know, we, we had already developed a relationship where it was like, OK, obviously head of, uh, you know, men's freestyle head coach, you know, for the Olympic teams. And I've seen him in many Olympic corners. Yep. Dude's good. I I think I I think I'd like to learn from him and just kind of get his perspective on things. And so um, so at that time, it was just like going over there, kind of receiving what I could from sure. um, someone at that kind of level. Yeah. yeah in the season. Exactly.
0: And then what was it like coming back? I mean, now you have, you know, Chess Tucker, Vito Ruggia, Yanni. Like, you have such incredible partners. What's it like in that room right now, training with that caliber of a group of guys?
1: Yeah, so that was really one of the primary reasons why, I, yeah, I came back. Where I can I, was looking at, I was like, hey. <laughs> <The tail laughs> so, you know, you got... <laughs> So you got all these these younger guys who are obviously incredible incredible wrestlers and would be make for incredible partners and so I wanted to be I wanted to put myself in a situation around um, a group of, of people where yeah just everyone you were around is just elite and there's no lack of there's no lack of partners they're, they're they're ready to go they have the same mind they have the same goal and when you when we're unified in that sense I think that there's I don't know there just seems to be a yeah, just exponential growth in in yeah. the, in a person, and so that's that was one of the reasons why I did come back, and it's obviously it's it's been good so far.
0: And, and you know, the, I guess the the next thing we can kind of talk about is you know here you make the world team now in, in 2018, and then have to back out because of an injury. And sticking with that common theme of overcoming adversity, what was that like to to accomplish something where making a world team is so cool because you can all forever say you're on a world team, but nobody makes a world team and then they're satisfied. You make the world team, it's like checking the box. Nobody makes the world team to say, I'm a world team member. You you, you right. wrestle off, you you win that spot, and it's literally like, there's not really even a celebration, maybe for the Olympics a little bit more because you're an Olympian and that ha- kind of has a like a cool ring to it. But for for making a world or Olympic team, it's really becoming a world or Olympic medalist. What was it like overcoming that adversity?
1: Yeah, I mean, that it, that one was difficult. That was a a really 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 difficult season. And um, what I learned in that season was this idea. Um, was this idea? <laughs> I, and not that so much I agree with. So here, here's what I learned basically I learned that there are certain injustices that happen in the world, and injustices that you experience in the world, you become a creditor. Um, you become a creditor to the world when you experience an injustice, right? So if something happens in your life, you're like, hey, that wasn't fair. And here's, here's the reason why I say that. Here's why I, I think it was a, a, a slight injustice right Mm -hmm. um because i think it's just basic property rights right um if you work for something um then uh then generally you know if you you know if you work for something then that thing belongs to you you know you till the land you plant the seed you have the tree the fruit on the tree should belong to you right i mean that that seems like pretty basic property rights and so in my sense and the way that i applied it to my situation was hey i did the work i made the team um basically i planted the tree you know here's i watered it took care of it did all the work watched it grow you know all oh, this beautiful tree is is here uh i'm about to pick some of the fruit to taste of it and then like it gets like chopped down you know or like it gets like someone takes it yeah. you know what i'm saying and so like for me that's like whoa, what 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 a to me that's like an injustice to me i'm like dude that's not fair that sucks you know and i don't necessarily think it was like the scripture does say that, like it's it's the enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, right? Yeah. Whoever the enemy may be, whether whether it be my flesh or whether it be you know um, you know the enemy, the devil, right? And so I'm thinking to myself, well, do I? I didn't know how to approach the father in that situation, right? Because like at this point in time, I was I was in between two kind of ideologies. The first the ideology I was in between was um, everything. Like you have no control over what happens in life and because you have no control over what happens, there's basically no point in trying to like really make anything happen for yourself because, well, you don't know how how it will or it won't go, right? And so I was living in this this place which I called the ambiguous transition and in this ambiguous transition, I'm just like, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, there's – like, you are – it was, like, this sense of, like, you're not in control, so there's, like, no point, right? And that's, like, the far the far side of things. And when I lived like that, I tell you, it was it was really kind of a, a depressing place, right? It's just, like, this, like, sad, mopey, depressing, like, oh, nothing's going to – you know, I, there's no point in doing anything. Woe is me. Yep. You know, vanity of vanities. It's all vanity kind of thing, right? <laughs> and, then <there's, laughs> and then there's this other side, <laughs> which is, like – no, uh, you can do certain, you can make choices and you can pursue certain things. Um, but, but we have to be aware that the final say is, is his basically. Right. And so the hard part was, is like for me and, you know, in, in any, in re- your relationship, in my relationship with the father, I'm saying to him like, dude, what the heck? Like, I know this really, like, I know that you're good. Right. Yeah. And I know that you you do good things f- for your people, um, for those who love you. Sorry, that was um, and I know you do good things for those who love you. Uh Oh, how do I get out of this? Sorry. <laughs> <Okay. No worries. laughs> so and I and I know you do good things for your people, um, but why am I? Like, what the heck, dude? You know what I mean? Like, I'm doing what you want me to do with, with, with what you gave me to do with, you know? So, like, do I blame him? and say you know this is this your outcome and or do i blame the enemy and say hey you stole something from me this isn't fair like let's bring it to the courts of of heaven and and kind of duke this thing out you right. know what i mean so yep. i'm in between these two places right and if there is no enemy then it's then it's his fault indefinitely you know right. what i'm saying yep and so it was hard to bring my opinions to the father for a certain period of time because i was like you know i don't know like in, internally i was like I, externally I think I was okay like okay yeah. we're 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 good but internally I was thinking to myself dude this sucks like how could you let this happen you know what I mean right. um I mean even if it's going to work out for my good later on like this sucks you know what I mean and so <laughs> that that was a difficult that was a very difficult time but through this time I did learn a lot about um there was I did do a lot of studying and I did do a lot of just kind of internal processing which was which turned out pretty good for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you haven't really lost a step. Like, you're one of the most talented wrestlers out there, and I'm curious now, like, and this this part of the conversation is kind of twofold. You know, here we are, March 2020, in what can only be described as, I don't know, like a doomsday-type setting. <laughs> it's funny, that the number one thing... um Burroughs just texted me like five minutes ago. And one of the things he said is what a time to be alive. And like, that seems to be like a common theme right now. What a time to be alive. Like it's craziness. And you know, your, your 2020 along with other Olympic hopefuls is so unique because you have two huge things apart from everything else you deal with behind the scenes. You have one absolutely loaded weight classes, you have these weight classes where you have to be, you arguably have to be one of the best wrestlers in the world to make the Olympic team. And you have to constantly get ready for that. And on top of that, now the Olympic trials are postponed. You don't even know when they're going to be. So I, I forgot who I was just talking to. Um, maybe it was Bo Nickel on the podcast. And I was like, how do you trust at this point and maybe it's just day to day but trusting in god's plan for for the next couple of months whether it's being better than every other guy at your weight class whether it's not knowing when the olympic trials are i mean trump just said this stuff isn't going to wash out until july august like does that mean we're going to be locked down until july august does that mean olympic trials aren't going to be until july august does that mean olympics gonna be next year like man it's for for somebody like me the control there is hard to let go of when it comes to schedule. I don't necessarily always care about outcomes, but my regimen, my routine, my schedule, I need that. And you're in a place right now where it's like, especially as a Christian where you can trust in God's plan, but it's also hard because like you just, you know, kind of talked about for a few minutes with dealing with the frustration of why, like kind of shaking your fist at God, not even in a bad way, but it's like, I don't understand, you know, and and that's one of the things that when Jaden was singing that song, um, Thy Will Be Done, that was one of the things that for me, knowing like kind of his story, knowing that he was on the verge of suicide and he's here singing a song in front of thousands that says, you know, I don't understand how a broken heart is a part of your plan. But you carry on because you don't know how that plays out in two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years. We talk on the micro a lot. Like, how is this going to play out in the World Championships? How in March is this going to play out for the Olympic trials? We're not thinking how this is going to impact your kids. how this is going to impact your family? What 55-year-old Nashawn Garrett thinks about when he was competing for an Olympic team, right? What is your perspective and mindset right now? Um, with, with this chaos of both the insane competition you have and knowing who you have to be better than, um, and then the the unknown, dealing with that.
1: At the end of the day, I only truly believe in my heart that I have to be better than myself. I think that kind of takes care of at least one part of yeah. that. Um, again, everyone's good. If I like nitpick on like you know who's you know, good and what they have. And I think that times when I start to wrestle, when I wrestle to other people or I, oh, I wrestle, I'm going to wrestle their style. Then that's when, um, I don't know, I I feel like I start to lose myself in that. And then I start like becoming like them. And I'm like, I don't want to become like you. I just need to be myself. I just want to be the best version of me. And so um, as far as that, as far as that goes, for me, I'm the only person that stands in, in my way, um, tr- tr- truly. And everyone else, um, they're, they're obstacles, right? They're they're obstacles that that the hurdles to, to jump over. You know, some maybe a little bit bigger than others, um, but the littlest, the smallest uh, hurdle can trip us over, right? So we don't ever overlook anything, anyone, and we don't overlook anyone, right? Um, because we trust in our own training and we trust in our own preparation and our own abilities. Yeah. So that's the first thing Um, with regards to the social pandemic that's taking place within this month. um, the, The only thing I have to say about it is, (laughs) without going into like too many crazy conspiracy theories.
0: (laughs) I know. I just had Dake on the (laughs) podcast with like, it was five guys in the course of an hour. And I literally think that Kyle and I could have chatted for an hour. I I think I only asked him one question and he paved the conversation (laughs) perfectly because he, he's so intelligent. You don't have to ask him the question. He just, he goes there. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah, he's uh he's definitely good for. Uh, we I I remember the last conversation, the last real conversation we had was uh a solid probably two to three hours, yeah, and we we were just I all over the that. board talking yep. about a bunch of different things. that <laughs> yeah, philosophizing in in a, in a sense, oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. but it, but what I would say is, what is happening right now is a test of of how we work together as a society. Um, It's a test of how much control um, other powers have over um, us as, as a society. Um, And it's sad to see that the pandemic has, is it's, it's like watching a movie, man. It's like, we've watched so many movies where we see, Hey, I would never do that. Oh, I would never do this. You know, it's like you, you bought 500 bags of toilet paper dude like that's not cool you know that's where hollywood scripts start (laughs) right exactly exactly like they are writing this thing out and we are playing into it like 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 pawns and so the one thing i would say is that like there are there are At the end of the day, what we have to understand is there are powers that are beyond what we see and there's powers beyond what we understand. And um, these powers that are at work are not necessarily for our peace and they're not for um, the goodness of humanity, no matter how much things appear to be. Uh, Generally speaking, um, they're out to deceive and destroy. And so with that being said, can you hear me? Yeah, yep. Okay, sorry, your your video went a little oh. stale. Um, and with that being said, it's <clears throat> yeah, we have to be aware that yeah, the battle's not against flesh and blood. It really isn't, and that's where that's been my conclusion. Without going into the conspiracy stuff,
0: and how are you maintaining peace through it? Like how how are you maintaining a sense of normalcy from a standpoint of you know, trying to, you know, I know some guys like to peak at certain times and some guys let off and, and some guys, th- there's so many different training regimens and preferences on training. And e- even as as simplistic as diet and weight or training, um, what do you think is the reason you're able to maintain kind of a sense of normalcy right now?
1: Um, <clears throat> the first thing I would say is uh, definitely my wife, uh, she is a very peaceful person, <laughs> and so <laughs> that'll help. So, yeah. <laughs> so I, I kind of, um, yeah, I kind of, I kind of pull from her a lot in these kind of times. But I think, I mean, it's it. I think it goes back to this idea of like, if if we're believers filled with the set apart spirit. Like, our lives should look different than than other people's lives, straight yeah. up. And, you know, I, I just have a hard time – if there is a difference between the peace that Yeshua gives us and the peace of the world, if there was a time for it to be seen, it's it would be now. 100%. For sure. Um, and – but I also think that, that that peace is like something that's developed – um, and I think that that peace is something that's, um, for example, uh, you know, if 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 there was persecution, or if this, if you know, if you were being persecuted, if I was being persecuted, like how would you know peace in the, in a situation when you're persecuted? If you if you never practiced that peace, or if you never understood that peace, or if we never uh, took the time to practice how to receive this peace, yeah, you understand? And so at this point in time. I think it's this idea of just like learning how to re- like sit and like receive his peace and like learning what his peace looks like. Cause in different situations it might be different things. You know, sometimes his peace is like stillness, and sometimes his peace is like I'm going after something. You know, he gives us peace in in, in different ways. And so, um, so for me, you know, having having a solid wife um, and a good thing in her uh, and. Yeah, and just maintaining communication and, and connection with with the father. Um, that's that's pretty much it. And realizing that people aren't like people aren't my enemies. Like no one out there is my enemy. Yeah. You know, like we. I I don't. The people I I've been talking with and the people I've been seeing like we're we everyone's pretty like chill about this. There's. What's going on is everyone thinks that somebody else is going crazy and all these people over here are going crazy and this. But I feel like everyone is like, "Oh no, I'm good," you know. Right. Uh, no, like, "Oh, we're good. We're safe over here." <laughs> right. Stop listening. To- <laughs> they say like the coronavirus has spread through the eyes, man. Yeah. So what you see, what you hear on the news and media and, and and politics, it's it's um we just have to be really careful and cautious about it.
0: And, and I know one way too that kind of segmenting into more one of the last verticals I want to chat with you about here is one of the other ways I know you stay busy. I don't know if it's uh, how you keep peace, but keeping busy is you create content. And as a guy who's on a marketing agency for 12 years, and as a guy who's helped a lot of wrestlers with a lot of content marketing, I can appreciate that. So I'm curious, you know, so many guys either don't like it. They don't want, they call it a distraction, which I understand how you can be distracted by anything, Um, but you know, I'm curious what got you kind of started with creating content and you know, you're everywhere, Instagram, YouTube, making podcasts. I'm actually kind of bummed because you made two vlogs about the road to Tokyo and I haven't seen one in about three weeks, (laughs) but, but I'm curious what, what got you into content creation before I hold you accountable for where the vlogs have been, what got you into the content creation to begin with?
1: First of all, thank you for that. I actually have four episodes loaded up, but like my – here's my big issue, right? My big issue is in some ways like caring too much what people think. Like yeah. the, the content that we see so far is – the content that you've seen so far is like probably about 5%. It, it is like the, the tip of the iceberg of like what I want to do and what my heart like desires yep. to do. But because of you know opinions of others and that kind of thing, like it like well, I only put out so many, you know, and I only do so much on that, you know, so with regards to creating content i th- I think I don't know it i I guess it's just been it's always been something I've been really fascinated with because whenever i would watch shows growing up, you know, Disney channel. And I would see these kids and I would see, you know, people doing all these things. I wouldn't say like, Oh, like that's really cool. Like I want to continue watching this. I like, I have a twin brother and like, we would say, we can do that. You know, yeah. yep. like we, we can make that, we can try this. Um, and so for us, um, and I kind of, I think that thing has kind of just stuck with me um the cre- the- the content creation is more of a an outlet yep. for um yeah the the creative the the creative nature that's instilled inside of me it's um i can i can be i can put my intentions into music or i can put my intentions into um you know journaling or writing or video work or podcasting or something and i just I don't know. I think I just want it to mean something and I want it to be valued and I want it to be, um, and like, not that I need it to be, but like once I created something like I, that's, that's, I'm good with it. Yeah. You know, like th- once I've like made it, like I, I feel a sense of accomplishment and a sense of like my own like self-worth and, in creating and making something. Um, the issue is right. That it's easy to get caught up in this the euphoric feeling of like oh wow I had this many likes on this post and oh yeah. this this many the people commented on this one and yeah. and it's like you know and I'm like yo I'm gonna be you know sitting here sad because these many people didn't like this post or they did they did like this post or didn't get as yeah. many views as it should have and it's like. It's um so in some ways like I don't want to be controlled by by that. Yeah. But in some ways, like I'm asking myself, well, if I've been given a gift, like how do I steward? How do I steward it? Right? Yep. If if content creation is is something that um is I'm good at, then how do I steward it without allowing it to remove my freedom? You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, and I think for me, I mean. I started Bash Solutions in 2008. Aside from putting out Instagram photos, I didn't create any content for myself until 2020. Like for 12 years, I've been helping other people create content because to a degree, I'm, I'm the same as you. I get my... I get excited to create content. Like I was telling my wife, I went to Big Tens. I had a media credential. I'm sitting at press row. I'm playing on my laptop, working on stuff. I'm like, man, here I'm making good money. I've got a good company. And I'm out here grinding on my laptop, making like, I was like laughing, telling her, I'm like, I wanna be the first person on the planet to put out the Big Ten Championship finals matches in a little graphic. I wanna be the first person. I don't want Flo to beat me. I don't want USA Wrestling, Big Ten, nobody. I wanna be the first one. And she's like, you are a true entrepreneur. Because, like, that to me, like having my hands dirty, that's where I have fun. And this podcast mm. has been that. And for me, it's a sense of, you know, I think that's why for so many years I could create content for others. Because that's the best of both worlds for somebody like you or I, where it's like, yeah, I don't really care. I, I don't want the necessarily the opinions, the feedback. I, I don't want this. I don't want that. Which is why I haven't put up too much video for the podcast. I don't like this. I don't like that. I could look better. The studio could look better. Everything. But... It's it's trying to balance that. And for so many years, it was, listen, I'll help you create content. I've got an entire team. We'll create content for you. You put it out. And now the feedback is going to be about you. I don't get the feedback because you're putting right. the content out. And it got to a point where with this podcast, I was preaching to so many clients the importance of, I think everybody should have a podcast. I think the amount of content we individuals should be creating It's only going to skyrocket. I think we're only – I mean, if Lauren and Jordan had a podcast every week about what they were dealing with as a couple, who is not listening to that? I don't care if you're a wrestling fan. I don't care what you are. You're listening to that podcast, and the same is said for so many different things. And that's why with this podcast, it's like, man, I have the knowledge about how to create a podcast, even though it's the most simple thing on the planet. I have the knowledge to create a podcast – I have the relationships within this community to have people come on and I'm like, you know, I had a, a, a talk a couple of weeks ago with with a coach who he's more anti-media and he's more anti kind of podcast and you know, from a Christian standpoint, we went back and forth on scriptures for a couple of hours where it's like, you know, well, should we really boast? Do we really have to tell our story? Shouldn't we be living out the story? Shouldn't we be living out our, our, our faith? And I said, yeah, but my conviction is if God's given me a platform to help tell these stories, and then I get text messages saying, man, you don't know what it was like for my son, for me, for my daughter, for my spouse, for this person to hear this wrestler they look up to tell a story of overcoming adversity. Or you don't know how important it is that they heard that their favorite wrestler, Bo Nickel, loves Jesus and that Bo Nickel hears from God in practice and all these things. So if I have the platform, who am I to deny God's work in me of doing that work through me because of feedback, because of opinions? These are real things, but that's, my, that, that's kind of where I'm at too, where it's like, man, I, I kind of want to put out more and more and more. It's like, Now I got everybody telling me here, 42, 43 episodes in like, you should do a recap show. You should do this. You should do that. I'm like, ah, I don't know. Like my show is kind of made because I have really good guests. I think I have, you know, amazing guests with the the subpar host, whatever. But uh, you should do a show. I don't want to. But, you know, and that's the other thing too is I know from an athlete like for you, it's a lot of work creating content. And whether you're getting distracted or whether you're mixing the, the emotion of a reaction of a vlog with your actual wrestling, those are different worlds, but they can collide. Because if you're right. if you're having insecurities or a negative reaction to a vlog or an Instagram post, that translates over to your wrestling. And I'm curious how you kind of separate that. And, and I'm sure that's something you're still really tra- kind of figuring out, like how to separate the two and the emotion of – you know, there, there's going to be people who no matter what you do, they're not happy. But I'm curious, how do you right. kind of keep that separate and not let that? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people who there's a lot of kids who want to be Instagram famous. And there's a lot of kids who want to create content because they want the fame, right? Like I think you and I are both at the place where we don't necessarily want, want fame or we don't really want to be well known because of the content we create. We just want to fulfill those gifts and fulfill that work we're doing. So, from a standpoint of, you know, balancing your content creation and your work, how have you found yourself best separating the two?
1: Great question. Great question. Um, yeah, I mean, that I think that's so. Is the question you're asking as far as the different pieces of content that I'm creating? How am I?
0: Well, you know, I think you're 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 creating a lot of content. You're creating vlogs. You're creating podcasts. You're creating, you know, Instagram TV content. You're creating a lot of content, and one of the reasons you're telling me you're not creating more is because you want to make sure to kind of distance yourself a bit from the reactions and getting too caught up in that. And at the same time, you obviously don't want to mix those potential negative reactions with your wrestling. Because wrestling in itself, there's a lot of guys who don't go on social media because they can't handle rankings and predictions and previews. Mm. And I get that. Because if one person tells me I suck, I could agree with them, but I want to know why. You know what I mean? And as a wrestler, (laughs) you have to perform. And if you're like, listen, you suck, you this, you that. Even if you're wrong or right, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little bummed, right? And some people just aren't like sure. that. Um, so I'm just curious when you're 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 consciously trying to balance keeping the emotion out of it from the reaction and not letting it affect your wrestling. Whether you just won't post on Instagram or whether you won't create a podcast or a vlog, like how you balance and kind of keep that separate when you step on the mat.
1: It's interesting because. I feel like I go through I feel like it's a seasonal thing. Yep. And I feel like the seat in within each season, that's when I maybe the a guard is up, or maybe that's when I feel like more like I'm able to whatever they say doesn't really matter. I'm putting this out because I feel like I just need to get something out. Right. Sometimes I just need to get something out of, of me and and getting it out like I'm happy, I'm satisfied, and that's 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 it. And so um yeah I think that the, for for me it comes in waves. It comes in like these like waves of like okay, I you know, I have I have a funny video idea. Can we do it right now? Yes, we can do it right now. Okay, we're going to do it. Right. You know? And then there's like times where I'll have a funny video idea. Can we do it? Not really. So then, you know, then you know, it goes it goes in storage. Oh, that was that would that would've been a good idea kind of thing. So as far as like dealing, you know, and as far as like dealing with the comments of people saying this, that and the other, like there's been times when like people <laughs> like I've had people hit me up and say, Oh, you're not this, this the other and where they you know, I would you know, comment back to them and I would I would i do the same thing where I'm like, Why dude? Like this sucks, <laughs> right. you know, you don't even know me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like I guarantee you if you got to know me, you'd say, hey, oh, he's a pretty good guy. I I'm sorry I said that, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So so like and so i i generally jump at the opportunity to show that i'm a good person to be honest um yeah. not that i feel like i have to defend myself but i like there are people who like you know be in my com- comment section or whatever um you know uh, where there's a, been at least like two or three like, young men who have said, like, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't, I really didn't mean to, to say that about you, like, you know, that was pretty messed up, and blah, 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 and the other, and I would just say, hey, it's okay, like, I get it, you know, we, we get caught right. up, and it's, it's, it's but, uh, but we're cool, you know, and yeah. so, I don't know, times like that um, are kind of cool, because then you get to see, like, hey, I'm, I'm, I really am, I don't, I'm not trying to defend, like, that I'm this, or that I'm that, I just, like, I put this out, because I I will, there's so much crap out there. There's yeah. just so much like stuff that is just, it's just, it's not beneficial. It's not uplifting. It's not, um, you know, it's not good for people yeah. to watch and to see and to take in and digest. And so I'm, I'm just like, I want to put out something that, you know, is, is healthier than that. You know what I'm saying? Like at I'm least concerned. what I'm doing, it's, it's going to be healthier than, than what they're doing. You know, if I'm going to be comparing, it's better than that right and so yeah you know what i mean but it's a seasonal thing yeah it's a seasonal thing you know for, for me it is a seasonal thing where i'm like it ebbs and flows i feel it okay i'm doing it so yep. with that being said about the videos my vlog videos um i actually had four episodes up i they're actually up loaded up on youtube right now four episodes Dude, but put them like, live Bro, I know <laughs> what I'm saying. I, I, I hear you. I hear you. And I'm going to – I'm going to put up episode three Thank just you. for you. Thank you. Because because of this. Because sometimes you, we put out content and like I don't necessarily know that I'm looking for a response or that I'm not looking for a response. But I do things because I think that people – would like genuinely want to see something you know like oh wow like that would be great to see that you know people talk about oh we wish we knew what you were doing people hit me up all the time oh you know we wish you uh, do you have any food tips do you have any weight tips do you have any weight cutting stuff and I'm like yeah, I do. Blah blah blah. And the other, and so like here's a whole vlog where me like literally explaining all these things, and like three people viewed it, and I'm like, dude, that sucks. You know what I mean? Especially when like you promote it and you're like doing trying to do your best job, and I'm cutting it and I'm putting it all together. So for the response, like this kind of like supply demand, like I've it makes me feel good in this supply and demand thing where it's like there's a demand. I'm I'm I want I would rather meet a need that I see and. And uh, and feel good about that, than to be like I'm just putting out you know a bunch of stuff. It's like I don't know I don't I don't yeah. want to put out the series that people don't eat. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and it's 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 easy to get caught up with the vanity metrics. And from a professional standpoint, a lot of my clients get hung up on that. Like we just took on a client a couple of weeks ago. They own a couple of buildings downtown. We're helping them with social, and he's like, "All right, so should we start tracking followers?" I go, "No," I said. It's much more about. If you have 50 followers, make sure you're reaching and you care about those 50 people. If you start looking at followers, you're going to start putting out content that's not genuine to manipulate and trick people into following you. And it is mm-hmm. tricky balancing. that. Like, it takes consistency to build that audience to where they care. And for me, success of any kind is addicting. So even for a podcast, if you're seeing numbers go up, even a, one extra listener every week, it's exciting then you start wanting two more listeners or five more listeners. And I think for me, I found where I get the most fulfillment and contentment is I'll notice I I launch an episode and i look. Okay, how many people listen to it in the first hour? Okay, great. Okay, Nashawn shared it. How many people listen now? Okay, cool. And, And that's kind of contagious in itself. But then if I get like one text message or one DM on Instagram and somebody's like, dude... Nayshawn, I didn't know that about his brother. I didn't know that about his mom. Thank you so much for you know having him on. Now I'm like, I'm good. I don't look at the numbers nearly right. as much because I got that contentment now from somebody's message saying like, thank you, like, thank you for doing that. And, and so it's definitely a struggle. It's not as easy. And I feel like especially getting started before you get traction, that's like, right. especially with like podcasting or YouTube, like now that I'm 42 episodes in consistently at least one a week, People will say, you know what I like Nash, I'm gonna go listen. And then go back and listen to thirty other episodes. Having that that right. archive helps. Same with YouTube. I can't tell you I you know who David Dobrik is? No, I don't. He's a he's a hilarious YouTuber. Every video is like four minutes and twenty one seconds long and you laugh and laugh. Last summer I was on a trip and my wife's friend and my friend Jackie showed us this video of David and it had to be like his 450th vlog. I went back over the next month and probably watched all other 450 vlogs. Oh wow. Like it's just because it's contagious. You know who Casey Neistat is? Casey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I same thing with him, big YouTube vlogger. I got onto him maybe I don't know, 500 episodes in, you start going back. But and that's when you're that's when you really build an audience, but building mm. that whole initial content and library, that's what's tough. Like you said, okay, three people. Great. It's not like when you have a thousand videos, people go back and now it's just, it's an upward trajectory because people are going back and listening. So it's definitely tough, man, but you got to post those videos.
1: (laughs) I mean, okay, for sure. Okay. Especially now, dude, you're the one person now. (laughs) Exactly. You're the one person now where I'm like, at least, at least Justin's watching. dude.
0: and, And especially now, because you know, the last thing here, that then, then I'll let you go, like, we, we do, as peaceful as you are, and one of the reasons I, the last episode, I just had literally five guys on. I had Dake Burrows, J.O., Ashnault, and Gable Stevenson, because I feel like the fans were so bummed. Man, I'm pissed I can't go to State College. I'm pissed I can't go to the NCAAs, and all the athletes I talked to, especially because I think the ones I talked to are, are genuine good human beings, are like, it's good. God's in control. Or it's like, I'm staying ready. I don't care when it is, you know? So I think it's important to have that perspective. And I think that that's one of the reasons it's also so important for you athletes to put out content yourselves. Like, Flo does a great job. Track Wrestling does a great job with giving us access to view content. But they're a business. So if they're having you on, on, on FRL or the podcast, they need to push subscriptions at the end of the day because they're a for-profit business and you know I think when you have a for-profit business and you're creating content nine out of ten times there's going to be some kind of hook they're they're having somebody on to talk with the trials so subscribe to the trials right and I think I know for me I want to know so much now more than ever what is Nashawn Garrett doing March of 2020 when schools are shutting down everywhere Seth Gross was telling me today he's going to high schools all around him to try to train and you know it's it, it's wild what's going on and i think there's never been more interest in the direct athlete let alone a wrestler's life than in a world where there's no sports mm. i mean if that's not incentive to turn that vlogging camera on every day I mean...
1: <laughs> right right so, that's, a, that's a valid point that's a I, you make a valid point it's very uh a very convicting, <laughs> valid point. That
0: was, the whole, that was the whole point of this podcast. I wanted to yes. do the vlog, so <laughs> let me have him on the podcast One for blog. an hour. <laughs> right. Um, yes. All right. So last thing, you know, before I let you go, just kind of tell me, you know, coming up these next couple of weeks, months, like what's your focus as you, you know, uncertainty of the trials? You you got to obviously train as much as you can. W- what do you do to kind of just stay focused and, and what's next?
1: Yeah, so I would say w- the one thing, the one thing that's cool about being up here is that I have people who are here, yep. you know, ready to go. You know, you got you got good guys to wrestle. Um, we have a facility that we control that we can be in and be around, uh, even though we're not really allowed to, um, <laughs> but we are, and um, so that's that's been. Obviously, that's pretty nice to have that. I don't have to like wonder about, oh, am I going to be able to work out? Is this going to happen? Yeah. Or you know, that I that's that's not a case. We worked out today, and I worked out with um with Vito and and Yanni was there, and Kyle was there, and Gabe and um, Scotty Boykin and, and uh, Max Dean, and all these guys were there. So it was it was, you know, it's nice to have that that ability to to be around guys like that. Sure. Um, I guess. I guess. This idea of moving forward is, um, yeah, just kind of, yeah, this being ready, being ready. I mean, every season is a a little bit different, but we are told to be ready in season and out of season, to be ready in season out of season. And so whatever that means um, with regards to, you know, conditioning and wrestling and at the end of the day, yeah, there are certain things that we can't, there are certain things that we just can't control. And um, I think, I think. I'm okay with that. I'm, I can only control what what I can and I'm prepared to do that. I believe.
0: Yeah. I love it, man. Well, listen, everybody who's listening, go and give nation a follow peer pressure him into posting more YouTube videos, listen to his podcast. He has them all linked up in his Instagram link tree. And I'm sure we are going to have to have a part two here soon to, to kind of go through his, his future content.
1: I also want to put a a, a small plug. So me and um, the podcast that I'm actually devoting most of my time to, which I'm actually pretty pretty consistent with because of my wife, is uh, we actually have a podcast called IQed. Um, it's actually have a video, more of a YouTube yeah. uh, podcast kind of video podcast called IQed. It's international, interracial, intercultural uh, advice, dating, and kind of marriage, lifestyle, that kind of thing. And so um, all the generic stuff that you would think you should people know about relationships we're just yep. kind of putting those stuff out there and so yeah for for the most part if if people are in relationships or we're thinking about we're getting in relationships or dating or whatever it is we kind of talk about a lot of different topics we're on episode i think 10 or 11 right now and so if they get a chance on youtube we're a cute little interracial couple smash that
0: subscribe button give the video uh, some thumbs, it, thumbs up like
1: it, comment <laughs> let us know but Everything. um vlog, lot blogs are coming up and and um I will definitely stay posted with you about that stuff. I'm holding you on,
0: man. Awesome. Listen, thank you for making the time and spending some time this afternoon. And I'm sure we'll speak soon.
1: Yes, of course. I appreciate it. Thank awesome, you,
0: Jess. Man. Have a good evening. See ya.
1: And that is it for
0: today's show, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. It's available everywhere. Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Anchor, Stitcher, Overcast. You name it, this podcast is available there. So thank you so much for tuning in. Let me know what you thought of this episode, and I will see you soon with another episode. And the beat goes on.